The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Phil Golfie with Remax Escarpment, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show with host Rick Zamperin and guest host from Mission 35 Mortgages, Brian Hogbin. Wow, you're still- hey, Phil. Hey, Rick. You're stealing all my thunder here, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Great job introing the show. Yeah, this is the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. And as you heard, Philip Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team, and our special guest today, Brian Hogbin from Mission 35 Mortgages. Check them out, mission35mortgages.com. We have a, a cavalcade of topics that we're going to get to today, including talking about, well, some pretty important topics in in uh, our lifetime right now, and that includes investing in the metaverse. You may not have uh, even considered this uh, several years ago, but this is a thing. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? We are going to take a sneak peek at the end of the show at Drake's Estate in Toronto. It's up for sale for a cool, well, let's call it a few, uh, several millions of dollars. Uh, also on tap today, uh, we'll discuss Ontario's plan for Highway 413 and the Brantford Bypass and what kind of impact that'll have on real estate. As always, for the hottest listings in town, you have to go online to robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. You can call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales. 905-575-7700. Check them out on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. They are all over social. Philip, Brian, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. No complaints. It's been a while since I've been, uh, a couple weeks now since I've been back in the hot seat. So happy to be back. Happy to get back into some hardcore real estate talk. I mean, the market has completely changed since the last time I've been on the show um, so, so I'm sure we'll get to that eventually. And, uh, but yeah, things are good. No complaints. How about you? We'll, we'll toss it over to Brian. Yeah. You know what? Can't complain at all. Uh, it's been busy. We've been writing mortgages. We're actually seeing a real big uptick in refinances since we saw the interest rates go up uh, a little while ago and, uh, you know, gas prices at the pump, Cheerios are more expensive. <laughs> like everything is going up. Did you up hear in that price. new story? There's five less Doritos in the Dorito bag now, mm-hmm. and they call it reduce inflation so doritos is reducing every chip bag by five doritos due to the cost of processing i bet you they didn't reduce the price though yeah i bet you they still left it either either you yeah they probably still up the price and reduce the 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 amount of doritos in the bag so changing markets for uh for everything and everyone right now yeah it's called it's called shrinkflation they're they're offering and it's not not just doritos there's a bunch of other companies who are offering less in their product or package for the same price and uh yeah that'll i'm sure be continuing and even getting worse um uh for for weeks and if not years to come yeah and the same thing with real estate it's less house for more money right (laughs) now and if you want to if you if you want to hop right into it the, the 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 market has has you know shifted it's 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 we're we're in a we're in a we're in a shifting market right now in comparison to what we were at the beginning of this year where we were seeing you know little to no inventory multiple offers hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking price we're 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 transitioning to to a new market more of a balanced more of a stable market but still a really really strong sellers market the prices are still there 
um, we're, we're starting to see them level out and we're not, we're not really having that rapid runaway hand over fist, you know, price appreciation growth. The prices are still strong. They're remaining strong. But what's, what's different now is your house isn't selling in the first weekend or in the first five days. We're going back to, to more of a, you know, a traditional market where you're still going to get your number. You're still going to get that really strong sale price, but it's going to take you two weeks or three weeks. And we're starting to see a lot more inventory on the market. Um, and, and, and the buyers, there's still a lot of buying confidence. The buyers, the buyers are still out there. They're still motivated. They're still active. The showings are still there. But the buyers have more choice. And what's happening is before, you know, the inventory was so low that if you came on the market, I said this on the show, you were the hottest thing in town. You were the, you were, you were the main event. You were the only listing in town. So everybody was coming to see you. But now they have choice and people can pick and choose what they want to go see. So instead of, you know, 40 offers going in on one property, they're bringing bring spread out amongst a bunch of other listings and properties. Are you, are you hearing and seeing the same thing, Brian? Yeah, what we're seeing actually is an uptick in pre-approvals right now, which is really nice because a lot of those people that sat on the fence that got, you know, beat down over the past two years or tired out because, you know, you had 40, 50, 60 offers on a home and everybody was getting beat out. I think a lot of people took a little hiatus. A lot of those people sat down and said, you know what, I'm going to wait for this cooling. And I don't think, like, we haven't seen prices go down. We haven't seen a cooling. But what we've seen is just enough optimism for those buyers to come back, which I think continues to drive the market even more now because now those people, they're still pre-approved. Even though rates went up, um, they're still pre-approved. They're still working. They still got jobs. And they're still going out in the market now to end up looking for a home. So I think that's going to keep pushing that market along to Phil's point there. For quite a bit longer, because a lot of those people, the more that they hear and the more that they see that there's less offers and, oh, gosh, I'll put my hands together and pray for maybe conditional offers again soon, Phil. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah. <laughs> I get a heart attack. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we might see those conditional offers come back again. And then that's going to give a whole nother segment of buyer the confidence to come back as well, too. And that's, and that's what I've seen. And in, in, in personally, you know, given my age and my demographic, I work with a lot of first time home buyers, a lot of people trying to get into the market. And, and, um, and, and they don't necessarily have that big equity, you know, uh, with their principal property because they're still living at home or they're renting. So there's a little bit more anxiety and a little bit more of an emotional stress when going to buy your first home. And that's what I've been experiencing. Right. And, and, and it's been crazy is somebody walks into a house and I'll say, Hey, listen, the offer presentations, you know, tomorrow, and they got to decide if they want to, you know, jump in and make this massive purchase on their first home in less than 24 hours. So they go home and they don't sleep. And it's just, it's just a really hard emotional grueling process for any first time buyer. Not, you know, focus on first time buyers specifically for the first time buyer because they don't have that confidence of, of owning a home yet. They don't have that, that big lump sum of a down payment and, and, and taking on a smaller mortgage. They, it's their first time. It's harder. It's, it's more emotional. So we're going to start to see a lot of more, you know, maybe, maybe the nervous buyer um, start to come out again. And those were the ones who stepped on the sidelines. And uh, like I said it before, it's like, it's like you're, you're trying to cross a 400 series highway and you got, you know, there's so much in the way to get to the other side. That's what it's been like trying to buy a house in the last three months. You're basically saying it's like a game of Frogger, right? <laughs> like for, for the, us older guys. Yeah, I remember hey, Frogger. You probably don't remember. That it, went right over my head. I have <laughs> never played that game. I, I, Rick knows know, Frogger. Rick yeah. knows Frogger. Listen, once you I get to the alligators, on, you're in trouble. 
<laughs> hey, I grew up on Monopoly, and it's uh, transitioned well into real life. <laughs> let, let me ask you, Phil, you mentioned that there's still the same roughly amount of buyers out there. So uh, seeing that we're in a more balanced, more stable, traditional market, as you said, is that, does that just mean that there's more options out there in terms of more homes at different price points as well? Yeah, definitely. There's just, there's just way more inventory right now. Um, so, you know, we're seeing people pick and choose what they want, right? Be- before we're, we're seeing anything and everything going up for sale and selling and people would just be happy to have an opportunity to offer on a house. Now we, we, you know, we're going into specific neighborhoods and there's three, four, five listings in that specific neighborhood, um, for sale. And, and what's happening is we're seeing a lot of the time where people will, will try the, the strategy of, um, pricing their their house at a lower lower price, you know, at an aggressive price, holding offers to a certain date and not getting any offers. Now, that's not a rep, you know, that doesn't state that 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 house isn't worth that amount. But what's happening is they'll increase the price to a true market value price and sit and wait until they get it right, and and they're still getting it. So we'll start to see those price, you know, those homes sell. Um, like I said before, you know, 14 days on the market, 21 days on the market. So it's just not as fast and furious as it was once before. Um, buyers have options and they, they're able to take a little bit more of their time where they're able to go to, you know, maybe a second visit or bring their parents and get a second opinion or walk through the house a second time. Um, when buying a property where those options just weren't available before, because you had one weekend to look at it one weekend to figure out your financing, to see if you can be approved for it. And then on Monday, you know, you're, you're, you're putting in an offer um, and taking, you know, a substantial risk. So we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, the buyer have, have a little bit more time, a little bit more, um, you know, options in terms of, you know, looking at listings, comparing, um, doing things like that. They have a little bit more time to do their research. And uh, I think it's a way better market to work in. It's a way more comfortable market to work in. And even talking to all the, all the, you know, all my colleagues, all my partners and all the other real estate agents, this is, this is the way the market should be. It's, 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 um, you know, there's more time there's, there's, you know, it's just it's just way better for everyone involved. We only got about ninety seconds to our next segment, so uh, I want you to look into your crystal ball. Is this more balanced market going to be with us for at least the rest of this year? I think we're going to see this balanced market for the rest of this year. I think uh, everything that Phil said to echo. I think we're going to see buyers continue to come in. The nervous buyers are going to continue to keep the market going. But I don't see a tremendous amount of more inventory coming on the market. No, I, I, I agree. I don't think the inventory is going to climb rapidly. I, I, I really think the market that we're in right now is going to carry out through the rest of the summer um, and, and into next year. And I still think we're going to see a small little appreciation price growth, but not as it once once was before. So anyone who has recently purchased, they got in basically... Uh, or, or recently sold, they got in basically at you know the perfect time. They sold before this kind of leveling off. Yeah, and 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 you know it's still a good time to sell. It's not it's not saying that the sellers have missed or or right. people have missed the market. And and that's what sometimes people think. It's oh you know I've missed the market. I'm not going to get my number that my neighbor got. It's still a good time to sell. You're still going to get your number. 
It just won't happen in the first weekend. All right. That's good to hear for many sellers out there listening in to the Golfy Real Estate Show. When we come back, we'll discuss um, a host of other topics, including duties of care and what is APS, as well as Ontario's plan for Highway 413 and the Branford or the Bradford Bypass. That and more coming up here next on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along, just know you're not alone, cause I'm gonna make this place your home. You're listening to the Gulfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Along for the ride is Philip Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team, and Brian Hogman from Mission 35 Mortgages. You can check them out online at mission35mortgages.com. And while you're on the World Wide Web, check out robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. You can call Hamilton's first real estate team in Hamilton to sell 1,000 homes in a year at 905-575-7700. And check out the Golfie team on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a topic idea or a question for the Golfie team, send them an email. We'll read it on a future program. That email address is questions at robgolfie.com. Still to come, the proven longevity of traditional selling. We'll dive into that in a few minutes. But there have been some stories of buyers and sellers and things regarding duties of care and APS. And one of the recent examples, and I'm sure there's been a host of examples, are people who buy into yet-to-be-completed construction projects, uh, including this one from 2017 in a home in Brampton that was listed for just over $1.5 million. It had a completion date of uh, November 2018, so a few months down the road. And uh, the buyers had only arranged financing for, well, a portion of the cost. They had a, up to $1.2 million bucks. Eventually, they were unable to get secondary financing. They had to walk away in default on the purchase. Now, the person who was selling the property resold it in July of 2019 for just over $1 million. So nowhere near the 1.5 or even the 1.2 that uh, this uh, individual willing to buy uh, had in mind. And so the seller sued the defaulting buyers for damages arising from the difference in sale price. Uh, are we seeing a lot of this? Is this a common occurrence? We don't see much of it, Rick, to be honest. Like, uh, we always try to set up great expectations, you know, and a lot of times when there's cash offers or we say no conditions on offers, we're making sure the one thing that we do come across from time to time is when an appraisal will come in low. Uh, and that means that a buyer will have to come up with additional funds. But when people are buying new constructions, in my opinion, from the finance side, well, clearly these people didn't go to mission 35 mortgages. <laughs> for one, okay. But number two, um, with a new construction, I actually love dealing with those clients because it's very easy to set up an expectation. If you have a long closing, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, it's very clear to say, hey, listen, you bought for 1.5, you're going to need uh, $300,000, $400,000 as a down payment. 
this is what your payment's going to be. Uh, it's very clear. So um, in this unique case here, I would end up saying that, you know, unfortunately, based on the client, um, whether they were getting bad advice from a mortgage broker, mortgage lender, or they just didn't do their due diligence, I don't know which one it was, but this type of situation for new constructions is 100% avoidable. There really isn't a reason for that to happen because typically with new construction files and Phil can tell, there's, there's a cooling off period. So typically when you buy a new construction, you might have three, four, five days a week, like these conditions that we're not seeing in the, the resale market are there for new construction. So you do have time to say, hey, you know, if someone came in, I would say, hey, Phil, we pre-approved you for 1.2. You kind of went a little over that at 1.5, right? Yeah, so yeah. what's our backup plan? And in, and in this case here, they didn't have a backup plan. So we don't see this too often. What about you, Phil? Do you see this type of stuff? Yeah, no, not not very often. I mean, you, you need to protect yourself. You need to educate yourself before you're jumping into any type of home purchase, pre-construction purchase. Um, we, you know, educate yourself, work with a mortgage agent, work with a mortgage broker and understand where you are in terms of affordability and where you're going to be. Now, what I have seen is, you know, oftentimes we've talked about it. These pre-construction projects can take two, three, four years, especially when you get into the high rise condos, you know, you might put a deposit down in three, four years from now. um, You're, you're in a different, you know, that now finally the project's being completed. People's lives change, right? People's lives change. So, I had a I had a gentleman who I who who called me, and he he purchased in Grimsby. This is you know off of Casablanca when those when those condo projects were going up. He purchased three of them. He was a he was heavy into real estate investing. Um, he he you know had a, at the time you know full you know good job, had a lot of money. Everything was going well. Well, three and a half years later, lost his job, got divorced, and ended up purchasing a a um, a, a multi million dollar home on the Hamilton mountain. And when it came time to close on these condo units, he wasn't able to get approved. So the, 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 the builder, so he came to me and said, well, what, what can I do? Yeah, and, and, and now we're, we're playing, you know, we're shuffling around and I'm like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, let's try and work things out. Let's see if we can assign it, you know, try and make money there or, or do things of that nature. We ended up being fine in the end. But, but, you know, we do see people's lives change, and, and that's something that, you know, some people are not prepared for. But, but in this particular case, it sounds like a lack of due diligence, and they use, you know, not necessarily an excuse, but they use one of the reasons that they were pressured by the building company, by the, the sales representative um, to purchase because it was a, a very active um, sales center. Mm-hmm. You know, units were selling. They felt pressure. They felt the anxiety to buy something to jump in right away. The other thing about pre-construction and what I want to allude to is they don't represent you, the sellers, in terms of they represent the builder. They represent the development. So they're doing everything to push the sales along and sell out the development that they're, they, they were handed to. That's their job. Um, oftentimes, those sellers, uh, the, those developments do not cooperate with, with realtors such as, such as myself. So... The, you know, these buyers don't have representation, right? So they're specifically there. They're representing the development. They work, they often work for the builder. Their job's to sell, right? And that's, and that's what's going on. Yeah, I think you, you allude to a great point there too with investors and how, ta- how lives change. It's so important to treat your mortgage agent, your mortgage broker, your lender as your doctor. 
you don't go in with something wrong with you and say, oh, this doesn't hurt too, or right. this hurts too. You right. tell them everything, right? And what we've seen in the past where people get themselves into a jam is because new constructions, to Phil's point, if it's not closing for three or four years, if you go to a lender, they don't know about it. So they're not going to build that calculation into your ratios, into your affordabilities. Nobody knows about it. So if you don't disclose it to your lender and you do go and buy because it gets delayed to three, four years and you do buy another house, a cottage, or you invest in real estate with a partner and you don't factor that into it, it's going to have a major detriment when you actually get to the finish line and be like, oh yeah, oops, I didn't account for this money. So I think whenever you're buying anything in real estate, don't try to be smarter than your mortgage broker or lender. Yeah. Give them all the information and it'll set you up for a good expectation later. And, and I always say to, <laughs> I always say to my, my, my clients who are working, I go, they're not CRA. They're not <laughs> CRA. They're not here to hurt you. They're not here to report you. Share everything. It's going to help you help them, right? Give them everything that you have and share everything that you know about your personal finance so they can help you and put you in the best position moving forward. They are not here to, they're not here to hurt you. Yeah. So true. So true. I like, I'll say the same line. I'll say, listen, you tell me everything, <laughs> tell me everything yeah. and I'll decide what we're going to use. Yeah. And, and, and listen, people get paid, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars in terms of, you know, doing taxes and, and accountants and, and making sure that, that people don't want to pay tax. There's people out there to help you pay as less tax as possible. Now, what that is a, is a result of is lowering your income. But when it comes time to get a mortgage and you hand over your, your income papers and documents, a mortgage agent or broker is going to look at you and say, hey, listen, I'm here to help you, but you didn't pay yourself that much money last year. So we're going to have to do some, some finagling and get some you know, get a little creative here so we can, we can put you in a good position. Phil, we don't like to use the word creative in the mortgage industry. <laughs> I'm just telling you, creative in, uh, it says something else, okay? <laughs> what we do is we get strategic. Fair enough. <laughs> good, good way to put it. If you want to sell your home yeah. or you're in the market to buy a house, call Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara's top real estate team, the Golfie team at 905-575-7700, online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And if you're hunting for a new mortgage, check out Mission 35 Mortgages online at mission35mortgages.com, and Brian and his team will help you out. Let's switch gears, so to speak, and talk about the highway 413 and Brantford bypass projects to mega projects at the the likes of which this province hasn't seen probably since the construction of the 407. So these two highways, basically both north of Toronto, one will connect the 407 and 401 with the 410, 427, and the 400 in the Halton Hills, Caledon area. That's Highway 413. Brantford bypass is going to connect the uh, 400 with the uh, 404, I think it is, and in the Bradford, or Bradford area, which is also north of Toronto. What's the impact going to be on uh, housing, on real estate in that area, in that neck of the woods? It's going to have a massive impact. And we, we thought, you know, even in our own backyard with the, with the, with the Red Hill, right? The, look at the development of uh, the, the Central Park neighborhood. That development wouldn't have been possible without the Red Hill. That development wouldn't have been as attractive as it is right now without the Red Hill. So, you know, the, the foundation of a new community, of, of a new, you know, everything would be access, right? It's, it's access. And 
the, the communities around these highways are going to grow. Um, the, 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 the real estate around these highways are, are, are going to, you know, be developed and, and turned into, you know, neighborhoods and communities. It, it, it's all a groundbreaking, you know, that's going to come with time, right? We're talking 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, but you're going to start to see those if they haven't been already, but those neighboring properties, neighboring lands start to be um, purchased by major development companies with the, with the intention to turn them into neighborhoods and communities. It, the impact is, is going to be massive, but this is what we need, right? Rick, you've been following, have you been following this project closely or this, this story? Yeah, I know all about it. Yeah. And this is, you know, yeah. there's also environmentally sensitive land here too, with the Holland Marsh. So it's going to be tricky. Yeah. It's almost like Bronte Creek provincial park. Like there's a, obviously a bunch of development housing highways around the park. The park still exists. So hopefully that'll be the case with Holland Marsh as well. Right, and that was the same with the Red Hills. Remember the mm-hmm. the all the environmental engineers that were coming down. Remember it yep. flooded in like the first. It still floods a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It fl- they had the highway was shut down. I remember in like the first couple of weeks, it was like a pool. So so you know we went through the same stuff here, but you know and and I I agree this is such a sensitive topic and it's received so much you know negativity around it. But look at our population growth. Look at the amount of new immigrants that are coming into our country every single year. Where are they going to go, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if, you know, like eventually you need to grow your community. You need to develop new roads, new highways. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, um, but but I, I understand the negativity around it. I, I, I completely understand it. But there has to be some balance between, you know, development and being environmentally sensitive to 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 handle this right yeah they yeah. definitely got to find a balance brian did you want to add a thought here uh, i was just actually you no know, selfishly uh thinking it might cut down the drive to the cottage <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's that too. i know some i know people were thinking it okay but i'm gonna say it okay but i you know what but in all sincerity you know driving through that holland marsh it's a it's almost like a milestone when you're driving up it's, north it's right wicked. because you yeah. always know where you are and it is such a beautiful spot yeah you know so it will be it will be interesting and and it is kind of unfortunate that's going to change the landscape of that yeah. um but but to your point i do agree with the necessity of it because it is going to create a lot of good and a lot of log- and it's going to uh, deter a lot of logistical nightmares that are that are being created right now too what do you think like what's the number one complaint right now rick in terms of you know, not not pushing this forward. Yeah, I think I think it's building on green space. I mean, we have the yeah. same argument in our neck of the woods with um, the escarpment lands. Like, you know, there's there's tons of land out there, but a lot of people don't want to, you know, uh, carve up farmland or forestry for more highways and houses. Even right. though we need more and highways and houses, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, yeah, and and then that puts you in a position where the only way you can go is up. Yeah, and then. You know, you try to go up and then there's height restrictions and things like that. So it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, development um, infrastructure is always a very, very sensitive topic. And, you know, I follow it very close and understandably so. I think, you know, what, what we've talked about on this show and years gone past is the supply issue, right? And really, this is one of those solutions that helps solve a supply issue. When we have more immigration uh, every single year than housing starts, we need more homes. We need more places for people to live. And by adding infrastructure like this, the reality is, is you're going to create more intensification for more people to live, which is going to help solve a supply issue, which, you know, a lot of people be hot about ideally keeps 
property from going through the roof, right? So this is one of those infrastructure plans that has uh, a massive cascading rippling effect uh, for our industry specifically. And at the end of the day, and I think I said escarpment when I meant to say green belts, but at the end of the day, there's going to come a time, whether it's 10, 15, 20 years down the road, where our population is going to continue to grow and we're going to be done building up and it will be time to build out. When that comes again, right. sooner rather than later, I guess, uh, how much later it will be, that remains to be seen. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. And when we come back, we're, Go going ahead, to dive in, we're going to dive into traditional selling, what that means, and why some realtors have a bad reputation. That's not the case with the Golfy team. Find them online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. You can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and and Instagram, you'll be calling Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in terms of volume and unit sales when you dial 905-575-7700. More of the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition next on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900CHML. With you, Philip Golfi is a sales representative with Remax's Cartman Realty, the Golfi team, and we're also joined today by special guest Brian Hogman from Mission35Mortgages.com. Find them on that uh, website address. Get a new mortgage. Brian and his team will help you out. Phil and his team, the Golfi team, will help you out. Find a uh, house that's perfect for you at a price point that matches your budget, and if you're selling your home, they'll get you top dollar as well. Call the Golfi team today at 905-575-7700 online at robgolfi.com that's rob g-o-l-f-i.com traditional selling it has been around for well since the dawn of real estate really what does it mean to you and why do some realtors have a bad reputation this is so funny we i I spoke on this with with brian and conrad on on a recent podcast and when I first got into the industry, I was, I was consuming so much real estate content, everything from the, the new startups to the market to, to everything. And what scared me was, was often, I always asked myself, was, was the real estate agent going to be the next taxi driver in terms of Uber, right? Were we going to be eliminated by some big tech company who can process the, the transaction for a flat fee and, and make that process really simple and easy? Everyone's trying to do that. We see these startups all the time and it worried me. And I, I, in my first couple of years, I was, I was scared of my job. Um, but as I gained more experience, I really realized how important a real estate agent is in the transaction. And I no longer have that fear or, or that anxiety. There's a lot of complications when it comes to a real estate uh, transaction that, that, people aren't aware of or, or maybe naive to from the outside, right? You know, the job looks glamorous. It looks like, you know, we dress in nice clothes and we go around and look at nice houses. Yeah, sure. That's what you see on Instagram. You don't see all the little details that go into every single transaction behind the scenes. And, you know, no one shares that part of it. So, you know, more oftentimes it's, it's, it's 
you know, it's very like like I said, if you were to come into you know and, and look at the transaction, everybody sees the, the the sale sign, the sold sign, and that's it. But everything in between doesn't really necessarily get shared um, with everyone. But each and every real estate agent would have their own stories and and be able to talk about the the you know the the granular details through every single transaction. And it's very difficult to navigate through on a daily basis. I, I think too, uh, there's a huge emotional toll that Phil didn't touch on there yeah. too, right? Because uh, I've known a lot of realtors and they turn into counselors sometimes when uh, you're dealing with life's biggest investment. And I think I heard a great line one time that said a jar can't read its own label. And it's kind of like when you're selling a home that you're emotionally attached to, how can you deal with what's actually correct in the market? You're emotionally blind to it, right? Your house is overpriced or underpriced in your head probably by a couple hundred thousand dollars every time. Right. And the market. And I think what a realtor does is they really earn their value when they actually bring people down to reality. Right. When you go and try and sell your own house, it is such I I wouldn't want that emotional burden because nobody will be good enough to buy my house. (laughs) (laughs) But a realtor will set you straight with that, in my opinion. The the other part of the question, the the bad reputation part, there are some realtors uh, who who don't have a good reputation? Why is that? Maybe it's just a real estate as a whole. The, the thinking is, oh, they're just trying to sell my house or or get someone to buy this house for top dollar so they can rake in all the cash. I think it's it's just an easy target. I think real estate agents are an easy target. We get blamed for the market, right? Everybody thinks the real estate agents are the reason for the the the, the you know the the increasing housing prices. No, it's not the case, right? And I see it on Facebook all the time. You know, we'll post a new listing or on Twitter, we'll post a new listing and, and people come after us, right? Like we're, like we're the reason for the, for the increasing housing prices. I, it's very difficult to, to, to know why realtors and, or some have some poor reputation. Um, but, but, you know, I, I just think, you know, sometimes we're an easy target um, as a reason why, you know, we, we do have a housing crisis. You know, it's not our fault. Right. So I, I, um, you know, off the top of my head, I think I think that's uh, that that would be the main reason. But it's uh, it's hard sometimes to 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 see some of the negativity in the comments about real estate agents. And and uh, it's difficult to, to follow sometimes. I think every industry and every profession and everywhere in the world is going to have bad seeds that are not representative of the whole. Right. I know Phil's being very diplomatic, but I know he knows some bad realtors out there, right? And he's not going to say who they are, right? But there's, there's people just like I know, there's bad mortgage brokers out there. There's people that don't put in the time and duty of care and education, right? They got into it because they thought, oh, as soon as I become a realtor, they give out a BMW. Then I start driving a BMW <laughs> and everything just happens. But they don't see the foundation. It's like the iceberg. They don't see everything underneath in the education, right? And a few bad apples can... I think, and, and real estate mortgage brokering and a lot of industries can paint an industry as well too. Cause that's, you know, most people will have a negativity bias and they like to see that, that, you know, they say, if it reads, it bleeds or yeah. if it bleeds, it reads. Yeah. Right. So the bad news stories you'll always see, but it's not great water cooler conversation. I find when everything goes perfect. Like when someone said, how did your house sale go? Oh, it went exactly as planned. Right. Well, that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I want to hear what happened. Oh, you want to hear what happened in my story? 
And, and that's what everybody talks about. Brian's got all the good analogies today. The jar, the iceberg, who knows what will come up next here it. on the Golfy <laughs> Real Estate Show. We're going to talk about passively investing, and if we have some time, the Metaverse and Drake's estate in Toronto. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily Necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Let's go around here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Philip Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Garmin Realty, the Golfy team. Find them online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. If you want to sell your home for top dollar in this ever-changing market that is switching from a really wild and rocky ride to one that's more balanced and more stable, which could be good news for both sides of the story, call the Golfy team at 905-575-7700. All over social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, follow the Golfy team. And if you're in the hunt for a new mortgage, check out Brian Hogman and his team from Mission 35 Mortgages online at mission35mortgages.com. Passively investing in real estate. How the heck does this work? <laughs> so it's so funny. I'll let Brian hop in. But to me, to me, when I first got into real estate investing, which which I've now developed a, you know, a, a portfolio and, and I'm, I'm very involved into it. At the beginning, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sexy to me. It wasn't, you know, this, this, it didn't have the glamour and whatever. I was like, yeah, apartments and houses and whatever. You know, I was always attracted to like, you know, stocks are cool and you can get, you know, super rich off stocks and things like that. But when I looked at real estate, it, it was as guaranteed as it gets, right? It's, you know, someone's going to give you a loan, you're going to rent it out, you're going to pay down, down the loan, and at the end, you're going to own your asset and, and, and either generate passive income or sell it and, and, you know, turn it into something else. So that, for me, real estate is, is what I know best. It's, as, it, in my opinion, as guaranteed as it gets, it's going to be slow and steady. I say that in terms of the past two, three years have been absolutely insane, but go into it and take the slow and steady approach. You're not going to get rich overnight, but take the slow and steady approach and you will do very, very well. And combined with that, there's so many real estate investing seminars. There's so many um, real estate investing, real estate agents and people that you can talk to and people that will help you navigate through the, the real estate investing waters. Um, it's, it's a great idea. It's a great plan. If you're sitting on some cash or, or have that you know desire to, to look into it, do it but nobody's going to do it for you. You've got to be interested in it in yourself. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the best way to get rich overnight is uh, in the metaverse. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But um, uh, you know what? When you talk about passive investing, Rick, we see this a lot. And I think the two things I boil it down to is what Phil said is real estate investing, and, and we call it money lending or private lending. And that's where you know, you take someone, let's say they had $200,000 in, in savings, investments, or equity in their house. You could take $200,000 and say, hey, I'm going to be the bank. 
I'm going to lend it to Phil to buy a house and I'm going to charge him maybe five, six, seven, eight percent. And the reason why he's charging a higher or paying a higher rate is because there's certain people that won't get approved at a bank. Now that is kind of the new sexy thing. When you look at things that a lot of people want to do right now, we get approached all the time for money lending. Now I compare that to investing in real estate, that same $200,000. I am on Phil's side here when it comes down to that is the best investment. And for one reason, I like to say it's leverage. If I had $200,000 and even if I'm investing it at 10% and I won't get too nerdy here, but, and hopefully my math is right. Oh gosh, got myself in a hole here now, Rick, uh, 200,000 to 10% is going to be 40 grand. If you invest it in private lending. Now you're in the highest tax bracket as well too. You're going to pay almost 50% tax on that as well. If you invest $200,000 in real estate, that could get you, let's say a 700 or $800,000 home. If that seven or $800,000 home goes up by, let's not say 30% because everybody's <laughs> going to think that's not true, but let's say 5%, right? 5% on 800,000 is 40,000 principal pay down on a mortgage in one year is almost 12. That's 52,000 on 200 grand versus 20. And I'm sorry, I got mathy on the show here, but it's just, uh, I'm a numbers guy, but when it comes down to real estate investment, passive is nice. If you want to sit and drink mojitos in Florida and not be a part of it. But if you want to make real money and have it grow like a snowball, like I think real estate grows like a snowball. Once it gets started and you push that downhill, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You got to invest in real estate and you got to have a good team. You know, have a good realtor, have Phil with you, have a good mortgage broker and stay the course. It's not an NFT. <laughs> not that I know much about them and it doesn't happen overnight, but real wealth has been made over lots of years by staying the course. We're not going to have much time to get to the metaverse, so maybe we'll keep it to next week as, as well as Drake's uh, YOLO estate. But with the passive investing, we only got about 30 seconds or so, uh, is, is the key starting small and not uh, you know stretching your dollar a little too thin? Uh, you know what? That's a great point. I'll tell you what. The, the key is starting. Just do it. You know, Nike didn't sell a million shoes with a slogan that said, just think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. That just do it. Right. And, and I see so many people get bombarded by analysis paralysis because there are so many, you know, if you own a property right now and you made a hundred thousand dollars, you're a real estate coach. Now, you know, everything about real estate. And I fe- see so many people right now that get lost in, should I buy an apartment, a single family, a condo, uh, this, uh, that, or what, and nothing happens. Just buy a house, call Phil, buy a house, get started. Don't sell it. Like, I think we overcomplicate things. Buy a house, don't sell it. And, you know, call me in five years and say, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We got to run. Philip, Brian, great show. Thanks for joining us today. And thank you for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition. We're back next Saturday at nine on 900 CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.